0: Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, um, you know, we kicked off a, um, a series, and uh, it's called A Season of Second Chances. And last week, we talked about uh, not getting scrooged. Right, (laughs) And we say getting Scrooge is when it's kind of all about you and not about others. And we know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. He was visited by uh, his former business partner as a ghost after he had passed on. And then he was visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And after having seen those ghosts, he was like a totally transformed man. Right, He went from being that angry, cranky, mean old, money hungry, cheapskate, no Christmas, bonus giving, stingy old boss to a totally joyful person. And I'd be willing to bet, if we were really all honest with ourselves, I'd be willing to bet that there's probably a little bit of Scrooge in every one of us at times. Can I get an amen there? That's why we all need Jesus, right? Hopefully everybody in this room has realized we need Jesus. Look at somebody say, you need Jesus. Now don't point at him, don't get old, you know, there's a certain way you need to communicate that, right? You need Jesus. (laughs) Well, I do too. Hey, the title of today's message is The God of Second Chances. The God of Second Chances. And last week, in part one of this message, we talked about Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. And we looked at how when they disobeyed God by partaking of the forbidden fruit that sin entered into mankind. And according to Romans 5 in verse 12, the scripture lets us know that by one man sin entered the world and all sin passed upon and spread upon all men and women. And he concludes and he says that we have all sinned. So basically Adam He sold us into sin. He kind of like put us in the pawn shop, right? Remember last week I gave that pawn shop analogy and a whole lot more hands went up who had a pawn shop experience than I thought, Uh, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm in good company. (laughs) Gen life is my people. Um, But we said that when Christ was crucified, that he paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our sin. His life was our redemption ticket. You know, when you go back to buy something out of the pawn shop, did you ever go back to get something? They gave you that ticket and then you needed to have that ticket to buy it back. Christ was our ticket. His sacrifice on the cross bought us back from sin because God is the God of second chances. Regardless of what you've done, Or any of mistakes that you may have made or maybe even some of the sins that you have committed that can cause you to feel that perhaps there's no way that God would be able to forgive you because of what you have done or because what has happened to you. And I am here to tell you this morning that God is the God of second chances. Regardless of your shortcomings, regardless of your failures, there is nothing that you have done that is beyond the forgiveness of God. Christ took your sin upon himself and he extends his love towards you because he is the God of second chances. Hey, but the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Jesus came that we might be redeemed, but that's not all that he came to do. He also came to restore. Now let's put our theological caps on for a moment. If you're taking notes today, I want to encourage you, pull out your phone, uh, put a new note on there. If you're taking notes, take out your paper, your pen, and let's jump down into the word. Uh, Last week we said that um, though Jesus is the promised Messiah. Though Christ was born, we read in John 1 and verse 11 that Christ came to his own and his own received him not. Now who is his own? Israel is his own. Jesus Christ was a Jew. And though he was prophesied for centuries to come when he arrived, the scripture lets us know that Israel rejected him because they were waiting on a Messiah. They were being ruled by Rome. And the scripture says that when he comes, he was going to liberate Israel from their oppressors and restore the kingdom back to Israel. But last week we said that the scripture established that he first came to redeem and restore our relationship with God before he restores the kingdom to Israel. And in the book of Isaiah 53, amongst many other powerful prophecies, it speaks of how the Messiah will first be a suffering servant before he would be a conquering king. And so when Jesus was crucified, Israel was like, all right, see? There, there it is right there. I I, I knew it. We knew he wasn't the Messiah anyway because our Messiah is going to conquer our enemies and rule and reign on the earth. And it was because of scriptures like this. You've probably read this before. Daniel 2 and verse 44. Daniel 2 in verse 44 says this, and I would encourage you, read some of the scriptures when you go home prior to this verse. But the word of the Lord says, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. This is what believers in Christ pray for all the time, which is traditionally known as the Lord's Prayer. You've prayed it, and you didn't even know it related to this verse. You've heard the Lord's Prayer before, right? Everybody know it? Come on, let's say it together. We ready? Who knows it? Come on, let's say it. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us as our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against, oh my bad, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord have mercy, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. My wife's on the front row like, oh, the preacher messed up the Lord's prayer. (laughs) That prayer right there is exactly what Daniel 2 and 44 is talking about. And that is the kingdom of heaven coming down to earth, the promised Messiah, Christ Jesus, the Lord, coming to rule and reign on the earth, and his kingdom will have no end. That right there is powerful. Now now stay with me for a moment. Because this is why after Jesus' resurrection in Acts chapter number one, when Jesus reappears to his disciples, they ask him a question. And it was in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? In fact, let's take a look at that. Acts chapter number 1. Well, let's start in verse 4. Let me read you something. This is after Jesus' resurrection. He has crucified. He's been crucified. He was buried. He died. He rose again on the third day. And he began to appear to some of his disciples. And verse 4 right here is about to unlock something significant for us. The verse says, And being assembled together with them, being Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1 and verse 6 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, did you catch that right there? They were saying, Jesus, is this day one of you ruling as king of kings and lord of lords on this earth? Right? They're saying, you've already paid the price for sin on the cross to redeem mankind. You have fulfilled Isaiah 53, which speaks of the suffering servant and so many others, as well as every prophecy spoken of the Messiah. So is this day one of your reign? So he says the answer to that prayer about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven This is what Jesus has has to say. Watch his response. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you, you got the right theology. You just got the wrong timing. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He, he goes right back to focusing them on their purpose. He's like, look, bro, we're not even going to be talking about that stuff right now. He says, what we're going to speak about right now is, is your purpose for living. He's about to refocus them. And your purpose for living, my disciples, is to tell others about Jesus in your everyday life. He's saying, go out there and tell them about me in your words and your actions. Your purpose is to take your gifting and your resources and everything that God has blessed you with and figure out how you can tell others about this gospel, about Jesus, through what he has blessed you with. What Jesus is saying is that he came to restore the relationship with God and mankind at the first advent and he will restore and establish his kingdom on earth at the second advent. And I would encourage you to read revelation chapter number 20 verses one through six. When you go home, that'll speak to you about the millennial kingdom of Christ where he rules and reigns. But for the sake of time, we won't cover that now. Now, now, Why why is all of this prophecy important? So that when Christ came, Israel would know exactly who their Messiah was because of the prophecies that his life fulfilled. This is so incredibly important because as we said in John 1 that I already quoted earlier, um, John 1 and verse 11. In fact, let me just read that verse for you. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Meaning Israel, in fact, though, thought Jesus was an imposter, and as a result, they had him crucified. But what is so powerful about the love of God is that he is the God of second chances. Oh my goodness, he is the God of second. thank you, Lord, that you are the God of second chances. I wonder if there's anybody in the room or anybody watching online that is thankful that you serve the God of second chances. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning, Lord. So let me show you something in the word. Let me show you the love that God has for everybody, and his chosen people, Israel. Because even though they had him crucified, watch the love of the God of second chances. Are you still with me? Romans 11 and verse 25. The apostle Paul speaking, he said, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I made a way for the Gentiles to come, us, the church, thank you, Lord. Verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. That is so incredible. Even though they had crucified Christ, God's covenant, God's promise, God's love is so strong that Paul says Israel will have a second chance to receive Jesus, their Messiah, and be saved. Thank you, Lord. Now, why would God do that for them? (laughs) Because he's a loving father. He is a personal, loving God that does not give up on you. And he wants to be more to you than just that. He wants to be more to you than just the big man upstairs. He wants to be more to you than just the higher power. He is a loving father who desires to have a relationship with you. And he is the God of second chances. Hey, um, have you ever told your children that because they did this, They will not receive this. Anybody ever said that before is that just me? Anybody have an elf on the shelf? Ah. This is Scooter right here. This is Scooter. And, man, let me tell you, this elf right here has brought such joy and such stress into our house all at the same time. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. My son is on the front row like, I can't believe you touched Scooter. For those of you who have an elf on the shelf, this guy right here helps Santa to make sure that the kids are being good and not naughty. Remember that old song? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. This little elf right here helps to make sure that that song is true in the hearts of these little ones, right? He's Santa's helper, and he wants to ensure that. So each evening, (laughs) when praise God, When everybody goes to sleep, all of these little elves head back to the North Pole to let Santa know how the kids have been behaving. And then he comes back in the middle of the night, and when he comes back in the middle of the night, when the kids wake up in the morning, he is always in a different spot each day. It is so cute. They wake up. They bounce up. You hear him run down, and they want to see, where is the elf? And everybody's looking for the elf. And it's, oh, he's over here eating a bowl of cereal. Or he got into the flour and made a huge mess on the counter. Or, you know, he's got, he does his own thing, right? But, but when they wake up in the morning and you haven't moved the elf, woe be unto the parent who forgets to move the elf. Because the way it goes is if the elf, it does not move. That means that those children were being naughty. If he's in the same place, he didn't move. He didn't have the strength to go back to the North Pole. So so now, if they've been on their best behavior, but you forgot to move the elf, now you got a lot of explaining to do with your children. Man, let me tell you something. I can remember my wife waking up at 2.30 in the morning. (gasps) I forgot to move the elf. Did you move the elf? Waking up out of a dead sleep, no, I didn't move the elf. I forgot to move the elf. And having to get up out of the bed half asleep to go and to move this silly little elf and to do something creative, man, we have lost countless amounts of sleep, especially when you're trying to do something creative at 2.30 in the morning. Now, here's something about this elf. If anybody touches it, he loses his power. He loses his little magic, and he can no longer go back to the North Pole until he regains his strength. And I remember one time, Caleb's in the front row. Caleb was warned not to get too close to the elf, and he accidentally knocked it off the mantle. And that thing fell on the floor. And when he did, it's like that thing had died. And the family went nuts. Everybody ah, <laughs> Katie said, now he's going to the North Pole. He's never coming back. And Caleb had his little bear, and he's like, ah, ha ha. Like he was flipping out. And I was like, "Oh my God!" I'm just looking at the stress of this moment, and I'm thinking, "This is absolutely crazy." I, like, the, the dogs drive us crazy enough, and now we got this little guy right here. And and man, I can remember telling Katie, I was like, "You know what? That is it. This year, this thing is going back into this box. We're gonna close them up. We're gonna pack them up." We're going to send him back to the North Pole. we're going to stick him in the attic, and he's never, ever coming back again. I don't even care. Bah, humbug! Like, this thing's driving me crazy. Now, let me just ask you a question. <laughs> Wouldn't it be incredibly harsh for a father to say, "Because you made a mistake, this little elf is getting put back in this box, stuck in the attic and never coming back again." Wouldn't that be harsh? Boy, I'd be a mean old, stingy old, cheapskate, miser, Scrooge. But on a more serious note, (laughs) on a more serious note, wouldn't it be harsh for God the Father to say to Israel, because you made a mistake and you misinterpreted the scripture and you crucified your Messiah that is never coming back for you again? That's not God, because our God is a God of second chances, who will not give up on you, who will not give up on his chosen people, Israel. You need to understand this about God, that God is a loving father. Look at Second Peter 3 and verse 9 watch the character of the Lord. Verse 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants Israel to come to repentance. He wants America to come to repentance. He, he, he wants every nation under the sun to come to repentance that they might know the Christ the son of the living god just just like parents want all their children home for christmas god wants all of his children to be in his house everybody is welcome in the kingdom of god you might be thinking that's great preacher that God has all that love for Israel, but what does that have to do with me? Like, like, what does the birth of Christ do for me? What is dear, sweet little baby Jesus? What, what does that do for me that He was born? We need to understand that Christ didn't just come to restore a kingdom; He first came to restore a people. Listen to this quote by Robert Steinkamp of uh, Rejoice Ministries. He said. What is God's promise of restoration? God will take that which is broken and put it together again and make it better than it was before. He will take the shattered pieces of our life, glue them together with his love, and make them strong in the places where they were once weak. Yes, God's promise of restoration is for abundance. Man, praise God. That's exactly what we see modeled in the life of Christ Jesus, the Lord, when he was here on this earth. Jesus not only redeemed people, Jesus restored people. He gave sight to the blind. Come on, somebody. If you're part of Gen Life, you know that we, we've taught this before, that the giving sight to the blind was an exclusive miracle that only the Messiah was prophesied to do. Until that time, nowhere in Scripture do you see anybody getting healed of the blind, blinded eyes coming open. That was the Messiah's miracle. Nowhere else, where else in the Scripture do we see that until Christ came. Jesus lived a ministry of restoration. He restored the ability for the deaf to hear, for for the crippled to walk. He even restored dead people to life. Remember when he said, Lazarus, come forth. Like Jesus can even raise the dead. He restored life and hope to hurting and broken people. So that means once you have been redeemed by Jesus, he wants to restore any and all areas of your life that might be broken that might be fractured, that, that, that might be wounded, or that just might need an upgrade. And I just want to encourage you today with just two quick points on how the virgin birth of Christ can benefit you. You guys still with me? Everybody good back there in the back? All right. So if you're taking notes, I want you to type this in, I guess, if, unless you're right. Anybody writing anymore? Everybody just typing? Okay. Hey, there we are. Awesome. Number one, Jesus came because of the virgin birth of Christ. Number one, Jesus came. Jesus can relate to what you're going through. I'm sorry, I had a glitch on my scroll. Jesus can relate to what you're going through. Let's face it. Let's face it and be honest. Even though you might be redeemed by Christ and, and, and you've been born again, and you have his spirit on the inside of you, your life can still be a little bit stressful every now and then, right? Marriage can be stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, work can be stressful. Raising kids can be stressful. Relationships can be stressful. Bills and expenses at Christmas time can be stressful. And then you blink and it's like, what? It's Christmas already? Like, man, we just did a series on finding joy in the book of Philippians. And, man, I, I looked at my, I've already lost my joy. And it's Christmas time. It's like, man, hey, how you doing these days? How am I doing? I'm, my kids are driving me nuts. My husband's driving me nuts. My wife's driving me nuts. And, and, and now it's almost Christmas. <laughs> and you got to move that elf. Uh, we don't move that elf anymore. <laughs> and the reason why, now, now we kind of switched it up because now my kids are like, Is the elf coming back? I said, No, to my daughter, Madison, he's not coming back. You know why? Because two years ago, you hung him from the ceiling, you duct taped him to the ceiling fan. And he swung around the living room the whole Christmas. And, and then one year, they duct taped him to the wall. And I'm like, No, he's not coming back. He said he's mad at you guys, you know? <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, you know what? Here's what you need to do. Here's what I need to do. And that is all that stress and all that stuff, we need to bring all that junk to Jesus. And to remember 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says, cast all your junk on him because he cares for you. Excuse me, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And Jesus can relate to what you're going through. Let me just give you the second point. Because of the virgin birth of Christ, number two, you can live a restored life. And this is what I'm praying that you walk away with today. Jesus wants us to to live a restored life. It's not just about being redeemed. Though God wants your life to be redeemed, he wants your life to be restored where where your love is restored, your joy is restored, your, your peace is restored. Your finances are restored, and you're living a loving, vibrant, spirit-filled life for Jesus and spreading the love of Christ everywhere you go. And the key to living a restored life with joy is for us to remember during this Christmas season especially that Jesus is able to understand everything that we're going through that he knows exactly how to restore every broken area of our lives because he himself, he himself suffered what we suffer. He knows every pain, every frustration, every fear, every concern. He can restore your life and cause you to live a restored life because he was tempted at all points, the scripture tells us. Therefore, he knows how to restore us. And if you have been restored or you are being restored and God is working on your hearts, here's how we'll know. Here's how we'll know. Because the love of Christ will be radiating out of you. Are you perfect? No. Do you sin? Does anybody ever sin in here? Okay. We're telling the truth this morning. All right. Right? Do you sin? Sure, sometimes. But you're not comfortable living in that sin. You're leaning on the Holy Spirit to help you overcome by his grace, and you might have some internal struggles, but the love of Christ is still seeping out of your life like sap from a Christmas tree. <laughs> because the first message the love of Christ communicates to others is like, hey, wait wait a minute. Hey, they, did they have an encounter with Jesus? Because, man, they're a little bit different. Like, he, he's a little bit different. She, she's a little bit different. Wait a minute. I, I just cursed that woman out. And because of my coffee order, she jacked it all up and I threw it at her and, and, and she's still treating me with kindness and dignity. What kind of person is this? Oh, oh, oh I, I get it. I see a cross on her neck. Ah, she must be one of those Christians. Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. You know, this, this, this is something that I've talked to my daughter about. You know, like sometimes people can treat you so poorly but then you turn and you bless them and it causes them to say, hey, what kind of person is this? I guess they must be one of those Christians. Wait a minute, that person is always smiling. Every time they come into this restaurant, they always leave a huge tip. They don't ever complain. I guess they must be one of those Christians. Maybe that's a little too practical for you. Let me go a little bit deeper. (laughs) Now the love of Christ The love of Christ may not always give you that opportunity to lead someone to Jesus on the spot. But the way you live your life and show the love of Jesus may just plant a seed in somebody's heart. Maybe it'll change somebody's perspective because they had a bad experience with a believer or had a bad experience with church or had a bad experience with a leader of the church. Now, because of the way you have shown the love of Christ, now, now it's turned their heart and caused them to look back to Jesus again. Because of the love that you have displayed to others. That's what living a restored life is all about. Hey, um, I'm going to ask if the worship team would, would make their way up. And uh, would you all please stand? I just wanted to, um, today I wanted to allow this message to lean towards something. And let me just ask you a question. What does the concept of a second chance mean to you? Maybe as I was preaching, some things have surfaced at your heart, and you know that maybe you might need a second chance in that area of your life. Whether it's maybe um, forgiveness of sin, maybe you need a second chance. Maybe you haven't made Christ Jesus your Lord, maybe maybe you need a second chance. Maybe it's a second chance at your marriage. Or maybe it's a second chance in in relationships. Where, Where is it that maybe you might need a second chance. Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time. Maybe your second chance is a fresh anointing in your life. Maybe you need to have a reencounter with God this morning. Hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask the worship team if they would lead us in song. And during that time, I want to ask that perhaps maybe you would look over your heart and take some time to reflect Dig through some of those areas of your life and find where is it? Like if the Lord were to come into this room and you saw Jesus and he said, hey, where do you need a second chance today? Because I want to heal that. I want to pray for that. I want to restore that area of your life. If that's you, as we worship, I just want you to think through, I want you to pray. And then after they're done singing, I'm just going to come up and I may even come down here on the floor and I just want to begin to pray for people. I want to pray for folks who may need a second chance. Can you say amen? Let's pray together. Father, uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of second chances. Father, we want to say thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice, for laying your life down for us, Lord. We want to say thank you that you never give up on us, Lord. Father, even the times when we knew better and did it anyway, we thank you, Lord, that we still have not exhausted your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies that are new every morning, Lord. Thank you for fresh grace and forgiveness today. Thank you for a fresh anointing of your spirit in our lives today, Lord. Father, as we begin to to worship, uh, Father, I want to ask that by your spirit you would speak to our hearts, Lord. And I want to thank you in advance for restoring lives today in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. We choose to worship you this morning, and we thank you. We welcome your presence right here into this place. Lord, we invite you into our lives, and we say have your way in our midst in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.